Despite being no larger than the state of New Jersey, Israel is a country where all eyes are constantly turned. From the media to politics to religion, attention is palpable and not to be overlooked. In past generations, investing in ensuring Israel's existence was more of a given, regardless of one's religious or ethnic background. Today, that's changed with younger generations no longer holding that same passion and with many reflecting either apathetic or sometimes even antagonistic views towards the state's right and need to exist. This is not about us versus them, good versus bad. As someone currently living in Israel, I see the country for what it is, the good, the bad, and the sabra, as the saying goes. So join me, Izzy Sakai, as we go beyond politics and sit down with Jewish and non-Jewish changemakers, thinkers, and fearless leaders to discuss Israel's vital existence in the past, present, and future. Welcome to Our Israel Narrative. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Our Israel Narrative. Today we are here with Richie Schnee, um, who I don't know, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of you, Richie, is just like a fierce advocate for Israel and just the Jewish people. Like, oh, thank you. As Hi. a whole. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. But really, that's like, I don't know, that's what comes to mind. And I think, you know, so you, you're an entrepreneur, you have a business. Um, and I know you wear many, many hats, um, but I think just what you use your social media platform for and your, your own personal voice for is really shown through in the, in the Israel and especially like Holocaust education and awareness space. I know you have a personal connection to that. Um, and it's just a lot, it's definitely what we need today. Um, so it was really exciting to have you on and to just get a little deeper into like what, what connects you to all that, what brings out that passion and that fire and, and how we can kind of bring that to more people and excite, excite Thank more people. Thank you so much, so. Izzy. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. And I just need to do a huge mazel tov call for making the jump that we all want to make and moving and making Aliyah and one day God willing. Hopefully we'll be doing that soon. And uh, I'm just really proud of you. <laughs> and doing this podcast, yeah. obviously. It's all, uh, it's all in the right time, but um, yeah, Shem takes you where he needs you to go and needs you to do. And I just think I always tell people like today, I think I was a period of life in my period of time in my life where I thought like, yeah, everyone should be moving. Like, why isn't everyone moving? And I think today I just, yes, yes and no, but like I have a little bit of like a healthier perspective, I think of like, if you're not, or if you can't, because there's circumstances that don't allow you to, which are very valid that you need to be doing whatever you can to help on Israel and to, to yes, be protecting Israel. And, and that's what you're doing. And like, I, obviously not everyone has to do it in such a public way or whatever, yeah. but that's really the goal of this podcast. I mean, I, I'm happy for people to also say, okay, now I want to make Aliyah, like whatever, that's an amazing thing. But really the, the goal for me and like what I do when I try to speak about is just like showing people that they can find their personal connection, they can find their personal voice and spell that to others. Cause without it, like we have nothing. So exactly. Yeah. And it's all connected. Um, it's Israel, it's Hashem, it's, yeah. it's your Judaism. Like everything is for me is like all intertwined. So, and being in Israel, wanna, like, where you just feel the most connected in general, like you, even the most secular Jew lands in Israel, and they automatically have this like swelling in their heart, and they feel like they're in a shema. Like they don't, they can't even explain it. They don't even know what it is. So it's it really it that power is so strong. And I'm God willing going on Monday and I'm, I'm just so excited. Every time I land, I get like, I like literally get butterflies and I need to know when I'm going back. I need to know my next flight is. Otherwise I get depressed. <laughs> I know a lot of people, they won't leave until they have an next Yeah, I back. can't, I literally cannot leave unless I know when I'm coming back. It's like this, it's, a, it's really like a dread. It's a horrible feeling. I hear it. I hear it. That's uh, yeah, at least I think now people can come and visit. Yeah. It was very depressing being here. I moved in the middle of COVID and yes. it was 
not a it was just not pleasant like to walk through that was a huge wake-up call for everyone because the it never in the history of the state of israel has have we not been allowed to go so when we were we were denied entry it was it, it was heartbreaking really really heartbreaking and I think it made a lot of people realize that they need to become Israeli citizens, that they either have to move there. It just was a huge wake-up call for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully only good wake-up calls, or I don't know if you would call it a wake-up call, but See, good, here, good have, reason should bring people back. You want to ask me, and I'm just going off on random. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. We don't need. No, no, no. We. I, I actually prefer this. Yeah. But I want, what I really do want to ask you, forget about what, what I've written down, is just like what what brought about the, like such a strong passion i know i would assume a lot comes from family and like growing up in a home and whatever that was really zionistic and spoke about israel but i'm just curious if there's like also more personal points yeah. or tidbits that you remember or memories that really like made it so so strong so i, I think for, for you. sure it's a really good question i think for sure i think certain people are born just being more connected and spiritually just like more in tune with their emotions. And I was always very in tune with my emotions and always very passionate about things. Like I like to learn about everything and learn the background and the history. And I'm just like very passionate in general. And growing up, of course, as a grandchild of four Holocaust survivors, I was very, very aware of the importance of having Israel and, ha and seeing my grandparents and their love and obsession with the state of Israel. And we grew up just always connected and always going there and doing events in, in America for Israel and watching my grandparents just like give their all to Israel, even though they weren't li necessarily living there at the time. But one of my grandfathers did go from Auschwitz um, to Israel right after the war. And then he joined the Haganah and he fought in the War of Independence. Wow. And he was one of the founders of the Israeli Air Force. And it's just a crazy, crazy concept. I'm actually staring at a picture of him right now. Like the the it was just last week, November 29th or two weeks ago. Um, it was the 75th anniversary of the UN partition of the state of Israel. And my grandfather's in this very famous picture of it. And I, I look at it and it's right from my desk. You can see it from every point in my office that it's just this crazy photograph of all these survivors with an Israeli flag outside in Tel Aviv when they announced that the state of Israel, the UN voted for the state of Israel to be established. And it's, it's like you could, you could see the emotion in their eyes. Anyway, it's incredible. But just like the fact that all of that happened in modern times, like it's not like we're saying this happened like hundreds of years ago. Like it just happened. Right. It just, it's such a new country. It's, it's a newborn baby country. And and to think of how far they've come in, in 75 years is really incredible. But just getting back to that, my grandparents, you know, my grandfather survived Auschwitz, lost his, his parents, four of his brothers, and he still was willing to lose his life for to build the, the country. Like how could we not? For me, it's always this, like, I feel like I was born with that mentality that my parents, like, installed in us. Like, how could you not love Israel? How could you not? It's, like, almost like, how could you not? It was not, like, it's not a question, you know? So it was never a question in my family. And we do everything to support Israel. We, we travel there, God willing, a lot. We grew up, it, you know, I never felt like a tourist there. Or, or my parents really made it feel like it's our, like, when we're there, it's like we're, we're, we're there. We're not just, like, you know, we're not just random tourists that come once every 10 years. And, um... Thank God we have that ability, and it's and it's really amazing. And they choose to to like use our vacation to go to Israel, and even it's funny because it probably was when I was fifteen because I would go to Israel all the time, and it was with my family. And it, you see diff Israel differently when you go with your family as opposed to maybe when you go on like a teen tour. And I think when I was Definitely. fifteen, I went on Chetz Vakeshet CVK, which is 
run by community. Oh, wow. Counselors. Yeah, your counselors. Is CVK are still around? Yeah, CVK is still around. A lot of kids do it. It's actually very, it's very popular with like public school kids and, and more secular yeah. kids. There are, because it's not like, it's not like so religious, but um, a lot of kids went when I was a teenager and I went and honestly for me, like that trip, that, that summer made me fall in love with the land. Like it actually, you know, I was always obsessed with Israel, but the land of Israel and all the different places and seeing it from a different perspective than, than just with your family. Um, I was in Ghana, I was wearing the uniform. I, you know, like they taught us how to use an M16 and, and, and then they took us everywhere. We were staying on kibbutzes and, and it was just like, that to me was when I really was became obsessed. Then, um, then I would, you know, when I went to I went to University of Michigan my freshman year, and right before I was debating whether or not I should go to Israel for the year after after high school, and I knew I always wanted to become a little like more observant, and I always had that in me where I wanted to be more religious because I grew up more modern, and. I was kind of nervous because it's a lot to handle as a 17, 18 year old to be like, okay, I'm going to go to seminary for the year. But I personally know yeah. I don't take things, I don't do things lightly. And I know that I'll become firm. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if my family's ready for that. Like, I don't know how to handle it. And I just kind of was like, you know what? I got into Michigan. I'm like, I just like ignored it. The problem, like I ignored it and just went to Michigan. And then I ended up becoming religious wow. in Michigan because, because if you, if you're, if your soul's like wanting it, it's going to happen anywhere you are, you know? And I, Michigan's my, also my a good place laughing. for it to happen. Yeah. We call it Midrash. I know like the universities. Yeah. I know plenty of a people. Lot of people <laughs> yes. So it's funny. A lot of people do become very religious there. I became very close with Chabad, the Rebetzin, Hanji Goldstein and the rabbi, Rabbi Alter Goldstein. And I just automatically like was hooked and I was there all the time and I, I, I just loved everything about it. And I decided to transfer back to New York because I wanted to be more religious. It's very hard to be religious there. And, um, and then I was, I knew that because I didn't go to Israel for the year that I wanted to do my semester abroad there. And I didn't want to do Tel Aviv cause I wasn't going to party. Like I'm, that wasn't my thing. So I petitioned because NYU has a campus in Tel Aviv and I had to do this whole petition that I wanted to do Jerusalem. So I went, so I, I got it and I went to Hebrew U. So I ended up doing Hebrew U for the semester. And then, so for me, Hebrew U, that semester abroad, junior year was when I fell in love with Jerusalem because I grew up always staying in Tel Aviv with my parents. Um, but Jeruz when I was in Hebrew U, that's when I really became, felt like a local in Jerusalem. And that's what I wanted. And I wanted to really learn the streets and just walk around and like, just really feel like I, that's my home. And Ever since then, it, I love Tel Aviv and I still go there, but it's, it's hard for me. Like, I really feel like I need to be in Jerusalem. And there's something about the air yeah. energy. There's nowhere like it in the world. And it's, it's the most special place in the world. And for me, that's like, I'm the happiest ever when I'm, when I'm, I'm the happiest ever when I'm in Israel, period, and anywhere in Israel, but, but Jerusalem especially. So... After Hebrew U, I fell in love, and then I decided to, like, any summer I had time off, I would go to seminary, and um, I did all these different seminaries. So I did, like, the whole, I did it everything very in a different way than, than most, like, modern Orthodox Yeshiva yeah. school kids did. And I just took any opportunity that I had to go there and to really maximize my time there, not just, like, chill. You know, I wanted to, like, actually learn and volunteer, and I, I went to teach, like, challah classes to battered women shelters through Lisa when I was there one summer. I did 40 days at the Kotel. Like, I did, like, anything I heard of that I could do, I did. Like, I was just, I, like, just wanted to do every experience. I went to every cool Shabbos thing. Um, 
anywhere okay, anything you're back. I could do it. I just love those experiences because you always have such a crazy story from any Israel experience, you know? Um, and thank God my sister lives there now, so we go there a lot. And but I'm, I really do see myself there soon, eventually. So we'll see. God willing. Amen. Yeah, if you're, that's half the battle, having your, having your heart here and the mind catches up eventually, or just you're able to quiet it and you, you make the, make the jump. But honestly, I have to say, like, even just being able to come and travel here and be yeah. here and do it in an authentic way, like it's way more than what a lot of people get. And I, and I do think Definitely. that keeps like the connection real and authentic and alive um and, and it's it's special it's really yeah special to be and i was that. lucky because like I, the, um... the organizations that i'm involved with like Rico and yad vashem i was i like ran missions or i i went i had to go every year so i was able to go off season like in january a lot and um and also in november and bring women there and like to i think the coolest thing ever is to go on a mission trip and when you see israel in other people's eye through other people's eyes that haven't seen it you're just you're in, you're in awe you know Sometimes you have yeah. to give yourself that opportunity to really experience Israel. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I've done it all. I've been everywhere. I've done, I've done this. I've done that. And they kind of just get jaded. And they're like, I just want to, like, hang out at the hotel. You got to, like, do those experiences because you just are – every single time you do it, it's, it's, like, it's shocking and it's unbelievable. I try and do that, like, especially, like, I, I'm fascinated by, like, non-Jews that come. I mean, there's a lot of culture and history in, in Jerusalem, especially yeah. with other religions and whatnot. But – I just like if you're at the hotel and you see like even I don't know people are coming from Asia or Africa like you know yeah. probably there for something you've seen Jews in this capacity in this way and I just try and like look at them or like overhear a little bit if they're speaking in English just to like glean like what I think I mentioned this in like a, a recent podcast that I'm, I'm so fascinated by exactly what you're saying like looking through the eyes of people that have like no yeah. exposure to this world and and really like it's a crazy idea when you think about it. It's a small, tiny place. And we hear this story all the time, but it's actually wild. It's a small, tiny place, like barely can be seen on the map, around that many people. And people are flocking from all over just to come, like, I don't know, to come see stones on a wall. Like, what's their connection to that? Like, what's their, there's something, there's something that like, you know, if we as Jews, like, if we as Jews can't recognize it, all we have to do is look outside at the people that are coming here that, you know, from, from, from that perspective and you're you're like shook it's, i mean i i personally get 100 percent. and there's something to say so. about being in a jewish state and like you know your taxi driver inviting you for shabbos dinner and you you know it's just the craziest experience there's nothing there's nowhere like it then you shop dinner trying to say yeah you up. that one happens oh definitely on the regular always trying to set me um, up like with their cousin in queens that has like a beaver store <laughs> yeah <laughs> i get it <laughs> like i had i had I had one calling references while I was in the cab, like calling the fan. I was like, ah, just gonna, we're home. It's we're home. So hilarious. Anyway, it's amazing. It definitely happens. So I guess one, one thing I'm always curious to hear from, from other, from people is from your vantage point, from your perspective, obviously you're sharing, you know, Israel's only 75 years young, right? It's like absolutely insane to think like it's your grandfather that fought for this state to yeah. exist. Like we are not going that far back. Um, so, so in your opinion, why, why would you say, why do you feel we need the Jewish state of Israel today? Like what, what were they fighting oh my for? Gosh. What, you know, obviously then it was a different yeah. story and today it's a different story. So you can hit on both or either end. So but, um, for sure, yeah. having an 
army is the most incredible thing. Having a Jewish army, obviously there's non-Jews that fight in the army and we're so thankful for them and they're incredible. But having an army that wears the Magen Zavid on them and is like their number one thing is to, their number one goal is to protect their, their nation and their land. Never have we had something like that before. I mean, yeah, in biblical times, not like, <laughs> not currently now, but like in the to- times of the Torah, but now it's, it's, you know, to have our own army and to know that we are like the, the continuity of the Jewish people is their number one priority. It's very scary. And it's, it's scary to be in another country, in Europe, in America, anywhere in the world to know that we aren't their top priority. You know, our existence is not their top, their top priority. Uh, of course, like keeping our, the country safe in wherever country you are is that is the priority. But look what's happening, like anti-Semitism and the police aren't really helping. Um, you know, nobody's nobody's really getting punished for what they're doing. The fact that we're scared to be on the streets, the fact that we're fleeing every country that we ever lived in. It's terrifying. And it's such a bracha to have Israel, to have a place to go, to have somewhere where they welcome us with open arms and and they have an army to protect us. There, You can't even begin to explain the fear that we would have if we didn't have that. And that's exactly what happened like in 1939, you know? So they didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, they were begging countries to let them in. You know, it was terrifying. It's, it, it's the most, it's the scariest thing in the world to, to be, to, for people to want to kill you and you have nowhere to go. So I think that it's really important that every Jew understand the importance of this of the security and safety of the state of Israel, and and it's very very difficult to have to fight against our own people when we're trying to defend the country. Because I'm saying like not not def- like when we're trying to defend the country on social media and in the news and on the streets and at, on these rallies and you know when we have our ourselves and our own worst enemy saying free Palestine, it is the most devastating devastating thing to see another Jew mm-hmm. say that because. Okay, fine. The non-Jews, whatever. You know, we've we've dealt with this since I'm a life. We know we're always going to have these people against us, but when we have our own people disagreeing with certain policies that make it hard for Israel to exist, it's extremely, extremely hard, and um, it's it's really it's very painful. And usually, in most cases, a lot of those Jews that that are not supportive of Israel have never even been to Israel. Um, that's really like 95% of the time, they don't even understand what the country is, what they represent. I was say, why country. do you think? They yeah. listen to lies. I mean, it's they... really just fake news. It's, or they're just, they have something in them that is uncomfortable with who they are. And they just like to be part of like the woke, what rest of the, of the people, you know, they want to be part of the masses and they don't want, they want to hide the fact that they're Jewish and they want to, <clears throat> It's really sad because we're we're getting to a point where it's not it, it's the most anti-Semitism that they've ever seen since 1939. That's terrifying, and I don't think that people fully understand what that means because again, like in Germany in 1939, everyone thought that they were safe and they're like we're German before we're Jews. Like nobody's gonna, everyone's gonna protect us. You know, we're fine, we're fine. Um, and then you know, look what happened. So. I think we have to be on guard all the time and we have to really, and, and we have to do everything in our power to be supportive. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. Like everyone has to have the same passion. Everyone has the same, have the same fight in them. You can't, you can't dilly dally. You can't just go 
and start, you know, saying, oh, but Israel did this and Israel did that. Listen, no government is perfect. No army is perfect. Nowhere in the world. But we are dealing with every single person wanting, like every country basically wanting to kill us. <laughs> so, or not wanting us, welcoming us in their lands. Like really, like in the depths of what they believe in and what they're, what they stand for, we're not their priority. Right. So you have to stand up. You, we have to understand that we have to always be on the defense and we have to stand strong and we can't, we can't hide and we can't be ashamed. Um, we have to thrive in wherever we are, but we always have to remember that this isn't really where we belong and this isn't really where we're accepted um, in the end of the day. And I, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying this is an opinion. This is just facts. Like look at the facts, you know, this is just how it is. So I don't know. I just think that it's a crazy thing. Yeah. It's really crazy. And like everything that all the articles that are coming out, like even in the past week or two, just saying how all these like historians and philosophers and, and, professionals are saying like this is a this is really bad this is really really bad we've never seen it this bad and you know people always ask me yeah what am i supposed to do if i don't have a platform like how do i support right and i right and i i've been saying i wanted to ask you that yes and i've been saying this answer to a lot of people like you do not have to have followers you don't have to have an instagram account you don't have to have any social media you just have to be a good person be a good person be a be a kiddush hashem don't give anyone any ammunition or any reason to say other to say anything anti-Semitic about you. Because anything you do, anything we do as Jews, and anyone who hates us will turn it, will say it's because we're Jewish. Oh, that Jew over there, she, you know, she just like she didn't hold the door. Like she's because she's Jewish. Or she didn't like, you know, she just like ran ahead of the of of like she just cut the line and she she didn't pay her taxes. You know, like stupid stuff. Like anything that anything that we do everyone is so quick to say it's because we're Jewish. So don't give anyone a reason to say anything bad about us. Always be a good person. Always be a Kiddush Hashem. I said, I just said this in front of like an audience, like I spoke at a mikvah dinner and and I, somebody asked me the same question. And I said, listen, like be a good person, treat every single person with respect. Not only that, but even be extra nice, understand that people know that you're Jewish and they, and you have to like Stick it in them. Like, you know, don't give them any reason to say anything. Yeah. Let let somebody, let, let, let's say like the delivery man say, oh, you know, when someone says something bad about a Jew in front of them, he's like, you know, but I actually delivered something to the Schwartz family and they're such nice people. You know, like, let, don't, you know, you <laughs> have to like, it has to be a constant effort because you don't only represent yourself. You you represent all of Am Yisrael. So I, if you don't care what people think about you, great, amazing, good for you. But it's not about, it's not you anymore. It's not just you. You represent Jewish people, period. So you have to always, always, always be a good person. Yeah. And I wish I want to push it a step further. Like, I think, yes, obviously to anyone and everyone and wherever you're having engagements, interactions, especially when it comes to, to, um, you know, outsiders and people that people that are looking at us and scrutinizing us yeah. in a way. But I think there's a piece there that's that's challenging and maybe frustrating people. I don't know if you agree with this, that like, it kind of feels like no matter what we do, I mean, I think I agree. I yes. do think we have to be on our best behavior and do, because first of all, forget about what they're going to say about us and what ammo we're giving them or not giving them. Like, that's what it is to be a Jew. A Jew is to be like, on the nations, you can define that in many different ways, but a Jew is to to be a good person, to be somebody who cares and who is empathetic and who understands the impact exactly. they're making in this world and that they're not just impacting themselves. So I think it's, yes, like anything we can do to not give them more reason to hate us, 100%. But 
but like to turn it inwards even deeper and say like, and I'm doing this because I, because I'm a Jew, because at the end of the day, that, that's what God wants for me. That's what I'm, that, that's what I've been asked to do. It's what I'm tasked to do. And I'm going to own up to it. And, and I, I, I'm curious your take on this, but I've always had this feeling of like, you know, we have our enemies, be it countries that are against us, that want to annihilate us as a Jewish people, as a state, one and the same, um, or individuals. And I, and I always had this strong feeling and I've had a few conversations about this recently with a few people that like, it's a reflection of like, what's going on uh -huh. internally. Like what, where are we holding as a people? Like, where are we owning our Judaism, owning who we are? Um, I'm curious if you, if you feel like that's also a piece of the puzzle. I mean, I know you have your, uh, as part of your, your jewelry, you have your Mazel collection, which is very much about wearing your Jewish star, wearing, I mean, I don't, you can share a little bit like on the, there's a, a deeper side to it, a deeper point. Um, and your connection to that, but like, but it's also like wearing your Jewish pride on your sleeve and, and, and that not shine. So it's so crazy about the Mazel collection because I, I, I created the Mazel collection for myself. I knew when I started my line of jewelry that I wanted to do a, a very cool, trendy, fun line of my Genzabi Jewish pride type of jewelry, chaises. Because I couldn't find anything that I personally wanted to wear or that I really, really loved or I thought that was cool or that could fit with like the trend and the stacks and that, you know. So I did it for myself and I remember investing a lot of money to create the mazel ring and people were like, you're never going to sell that. Like, who's going to buy this, you know? And it's funny because even Whoa. jewelers on 47 are like, we've had these Megenza bead things forever. Nobody buys them. Nobody looks at them. Everyone looks right over them. And... I think that with a lot of things in life, it's all about people's mazel and and thank Hashem he gave me, I really feel like a vessel in the mazel collection because he gave me the mazel to be successful with this collection and I was really the vessel to just bring this cool, fun jewelry that had meaning and purpose and made it almost like, it's like a collection of unity of like women, I mean there are men that were too and all around the world that have this connection of being part of the mazel club. And it's like, it became something cool and fun and trendy. And it's, it's not just your grandmother's piece of jewelry. It's a really beautiful, fun, cool piece. Not that your grandmother's jewelry is not beautiful. I love vintage, especially vintage, like Jewish themed jewelry. But the yeah. fact that people are buying these things now, knowing that they're going to pass it down to their daughter and their granddaughter or match with their daughters and their granddaughters and their nieces and their friends. And that they can be anywhere in the world and they see a woman at the airport or they see someone getting coffee and they're like, they see the ring or they see a necklace or earrings or something from the Mazel collection. And they're all, it does, they don't even hesitate. They're like, oh my God, is that a Mazel thing? And you know, it's so cute. And like, they all start talking and they send me pictures and it gives me so much pride and so much, and it's really just an honor. Like, I'm just, I feel so honored that I was given this opportunity and giving the, given the bracha to do this. Um, I also just think that it made women that never thought that they would spend their allocated money that they're spending on themselves, you know, whatever it is, like they're like, okay, I'm buying a gift for X, Y, and Z, and I'm choosing to buy the Mazel ring. To, to go that far as to saying that they're choosing to use whatever money that they have to buy something, to choose to buy this is like such a crazy thing for me. You know, it's like such a huge deal for me. And they all are telling me like, you know, I never would have done this. I, I feel so proud. And you would think that with all the anti-Semitism happening, that it would be the opposite, that people wouldn't want to show right. their pride and that they're scared. And everyone has been giving me the same consensus and, and feeling that they really want to show it because they feel almost helpless. Like it's something that they can do 
in reaction and in defiance of what's happening and say, listen, I'm a proud Jew. Like nobody's silencing me. And I'm so proud of my heritage and who I am and where I came, came from and where I'm going. And listen, I understand if somebody doesn't want to wear a Megan Zabit in the middle of Paris, you know, like right hmm. in, the, in everyone's face, like that's a different story. Like obviously if it's like in, in like a very scary situation, but there's something really beautiful to be said about everyone around the world that is really excited to buy these pieces and wear them. And I don't know, it just, it's, it, it, it's really become like a revolution. <laughs> it's like a movement that that's, it's out of my hands. Like it's bigger than me, you know, like it's, it, it has its own life of its own. And I, I feel so grateful. So it's, it's really, I mean, it is, I was, it's a huge split and it's a beautiful thing. And I think it's true. I think you wanted to do it from such a real place and that's why you became that vessel. It wasn't a business opportunity or you never had that thought. It was just like, oh, it's something I want. And you know, let's see, maybe there's a, there's a bigger calling for it and it's stuck. Thank God. And I think it's, I think that, like you just hit on something very poignant that I, that I also wanted to point out is this feeling of helplessness when things yeah kind of just go haywire and you're, you know, it's like, even if I post, they don't care if it like, you know, it's like, what direction do I take? And it's like, it's that whole idea. Like you the stories, you know, someone said they wanted to change the world. Then they realized they can't do that. So they said, okay, I'm going to change. Let me try and change my country. I can't change my country. I'm going to try and change my town. I can't change my town. I'm going to try and change my house. I can't change my house. I'm going to change myself. Yeah. And then it all starts, you know, when it's like, everything's out of your control. That's the truth. It's always out of your control. But yes, when you take exactly. it back to you and just owning fully who you are. Then the rest takes care of itself and we've never been able to hide and being proud yeah owning so. who you are being proud i think it and really it brings you mazel like just saying you know what everything's in hashem's hands every step i yeah. take every move i make every thought in my brain is hashem so i i feel like i'm gonna start singing that song <laughs> i was about to say bring it down we can go into song and dance to close it off so unfortunately Rich and i um had to cut the recording short but I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you gained a lot from that. I know I did. And I think just what's really special about Rachie and powerful is that she really recognizes that she is a vehicle to to represent I'm Israel and to represent Israel in such a positive light. And I think just, just point out something she said. She said, you know, it's not only about you. It's about I'm Israel. Each one of us, whether or not you have a public platform, whether you're just you, you know, you don't have to be in the in the public arena. You need to recognize that that um, you are representing all of Am Israel, and, and you have to do everything you can to shed light. Um, and we live in challenging times, we live in a challenging world, and I think that message is just so so important, um, even more important today. So until next time, and thanks for tuning in, and thanks Rachie for coming on.